Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, now we're going to continue talking about money, but I suppose in uh, quite a different uh, context. We were talking earlier in the week uh, about uh, the Christmas songs we hear ad nauseum at this time of the year. Some people like them, some people find them a form of torture. But for the money, who've, for the people who've written those songs, it's ka-ching time. The money they make every year is astonishing. Danny McElhinney is music journalist for the Irish Mail on Sunday. Afternoon, Danny. Good afternoon, Sean. Yeah, and so I saw this that... Billboard magazine reckons that just in the US alone, 177 million is made every year from the people who wrote Christmas songs. That's extraordinary. It is extraordinary figure, $177 million. Like the streaming uh, sales of vinyl now back again, sets even and CDs. It's a staggering amount of money, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. Now, to, to, uh, and and actually, what's interesting is that some of the uh, some of the results for this, when you kind of parse how much actual money they get, uh, are are surprising. Now, for people who don't know what it is, and I must say, I hadn't heard of it before. What is Lad Baby? <laughs> ah, Lad Baby. Lad Baby was and is still uh, Mark and Roxanne Hoyle. And they started a YouTube channel about seven or eight years ago when they had kids. And he was putting up their life hacks for uh, basically I'm you know, a man in my 20s or early 30s and how you can save money uh, getting stuff for your kids. So he called it Lad Baby. And in 2017, he hit on the idea of doing a charity single. And they uploaded a version of them do, doing a parody of I Love Rock and Roll. And they called it I Love Sausage Rolls. And by subscriptions to his YouTube channel, which counts for sales these days, and then physically releasing it and streaming it, the song went to number one. And then they did it the following year and the year after that, the year after that, and they did it for five years in total. They stopped this year. So they they outdid the Beatles by going to number one five years in a row was the Christmas song. And they earned 350000 per year on average for a food bank charity in Britain called the Trussell Trust. I forgot that right, the Trussell Trust, I think it was called. And they decided to leave the stage as it were this year. And it's become a lot more interesting this year because they've gone away. Great for the charity, good for music lovers because the songs were a bit uh, bit naff. Yeah, but I suppose it was for such a good cause you had to be amenable to it and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, The absolute biggest earner is Slade then? I was quite surprised at that. Uh, 1.2 million euros a year go into the pockets of Nutty Holder, the singer, and Jim Lee, who was the flamboyant bass player, sometime fiddle player of the band. Unfortunately, Dave Hull, the guitarist, didn't write any songs, so he didn't get any money. <laughs> and on this occasion, Don Powell, the drummer who often wrote songs for the band, didn't. So every year, and they're still living and well-ish, um, they get 1.2 million. It's. Um, I think the the British Performing Rights Society said it was the most heard song. Now I don't know what played and heard means. I don't know if there's a difference, but it basically it outdoes the royalties of the nearest biggest selling single at Christmas by two to one, which is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. I suppose maybe by heard they mean people are in shops and they hear it rather than they're sitting down to listen to it. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Sean. It has been around since 1973. It's 50 years old. And it was in a battle that year with Wizards. You probably did this on Monday show, Wizards. Yeah. Um, 
wish it could be Christmas every day. And it went to number two and Slade went to number one. But uh, interestingly, Slade's song, which I would say in that kind of glammy way, is just as good. Doesn't figure in the top 10 of earners for uh, Roy Wood. It's writer. Um, it's Slade, oh. as you point out. Um, supermarkets, background music and restaurants, lift music, probably everything that Slade, Merry Christmas. And I think it got a real kick with uh, when Gavin and Stacey came out uh, right about 2007, 2008, because that was a big part of that show. And it got a big boost that year again. Yeah, as if, yeah, they needed uh, the promotion. So uh, um, would number two be Fairy Tale of New York then? Um, actually, it is not. Oh. Um, um, the it, it would be, it depends on the year. I'd say this year it will be. But in the, the most recent year of figures for us last year, and we're going on British figures mostly because uh, we don't have separate figures for Ireland. And the charts are often done in the combat. They kind of hive off the Irish sales. But um, it, it earns 450000 a year, or it did for the late great Shane McGowan and Jim Finer, who co-wrote it. But, I mean, like, All I Want f- uh, for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey is around about the same. And one year it went to number one, and I did it. But you've got, like, the top ten for the past five or six years has stayed relatively the same. And I think what you've got there is... People are compiling Spotify lists, um, people putting on that regular uh, tape in the supermarket, which obviously all the royalties then go to Emro in this country or Irma and the Performing Rights Society in Britain, and that's how they calculate it. Ah, right. But, but then again, in fairness, uh, uh, Fairy Tale of New York, all that money isn't going uh, to Jim Finer and Shane McGowan or now Shane McGowan's estate. They did, they do, they did donate regularly a lot to charity from that money. Absolutely. Um, they, they always hide off a bit of money. And this year, um, they've released a seven-inch single version of the song. And it costs six ninety to buy. And six euro of that will go to the Dublin Semi community, which is a fantastic charity and deserving of every cent of that. And will it uh, outdo probably last Christmas for the British number one? It's not looking likely. Likely, rather. And I noticed, actually, I was very surprised that uh, Noah Khan um, is the Irish Christmas number one. I thought I'd be fair to New York. Very mm. surprised. Yeah. Very surprised. It's very surprised. <laughs> I mean, apart from fairy tale in New York, has there been much of a tradition of charity singles uh, for Christmas in Ireland? Not so much. I was doing a bit of research on that. And the last one that, that, that stands up for me is Johnny Logan's version of Chris Rea's Driving Home for Christmas which, again, for a very noble charity at the Parkinson's Association of Ireland, that was released in 2021. But I think it's what you often have, um, and I'm speaking from experience here, you know, local charities benefit from local musicians putting out singles um, for local causes rather than a big group of people getting together band-aid style to do for one big hit. I mean, I think the year that we were in lockdown, the the buskade that uh, Glenn Hansard and Bono and all do on Grafton Street, they took it indoors and I think you could make donations that year. Um, but in terms of the big Irish charity single by a big band every year, not so much, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so uh, let's run through some of the other big ones. White Christmas, how much does that make? Half a million. Um, for a few, half a million dollars. So I was estimating that around about, let's say, 460,000 euro. It's just a perennial. It's also one of the oldest in the list. Not the oldest Christmas song, but 1942, that first that song first appeared um, in Holly Inn. Mm. And 
it's again it's the, the way it works, Sean, is like when some I think when someone's putting on a Christmas compilation, it used to be on, on record, then on tape, like the kind of the do they know it's Christmas thing. It doesn't matter what is in vogue that year, why Christmas has to be there, you know, as opposed to something like Silent Night, which is possibly a little bit too I don't know, clerical or religious <laughs> if you like, but why Christmas is arguably the the, the the staple for the kind of the secular Christmas. And again, it's a song along. I always draw a line from White Christmas right through to Fairytale in New York in that sense of the melancholy nature of White Christmas to get mm. into that. It's just every Christmas is tends with just a little bit of kind of a little t- t- tear tends Christmas and White Christmas sums it up. That's why it earns so much money. Yeah. And uh, Wham's last Christmas, how much does that make? See, I'm going to put me on the spot there, Sean. Um, <laughs> at the last figures, uh, 350,000 euro. And it does again, it, it, it kind of rises and falls, but the last figures were 350,000 euro. And George wrote that, George Michael, the late great, who died around Christmas, remember, some yeah. years ago. It's sad. It's, again, it's always poignant because we remember George at this time of year. And he wrote it one afternoon upstairs in his parents' house. And Andrew Ridsley, who it just seems comes across as such a really decent guy in the whole Wham story, said, that's the number one, George. And But for Band-Aid in 1984, it would have been. Um, but Band-Aid came out that year. And, of course, George Michael featured on Band-Aid, so he was number one and number two hmm. in 1984. And presumably, is Band-Aid still making money? It does, actually. It earns around 350000 a year for the Band-Aid Trust. And... Again, like I was watching a Christmas Top of the Pops from 1984 last night, and they had pulled um, most of the stars who featured on the song into the Top of the Pops studio. I never remember this 1984, but they had some rare people on there as well. They had Frankie Goes to Hollywood in there, and uh, Paul Weller featured on the single, but he was laughing in Gornin, which is not Paul Weller style. It was, it was quite hmm. unusual to see them there, because we always remember them doing it in the actual studio on a Sunday morning. It was it was the video. But I didn't realise they tried to put them all together for a Top of the Pops performance. But to 350000 a year, it's, I still think, and this is controversial, I still think it sounds like a song by Fleetwood Mac called Farmer's Daughter. Oh. If you take that out, Sean, and when you got time, the intro particularly in parts of Do They Know It's Christmas sounds like Farmer's Daughter by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, dear. Uh, but, but obviously isn't. We'd like to point that out just in case uh, any not, of Bob Dylan's legal people are, <laughs> uh, any of the legal people are, are listening to that. Uh, and uh, Paul McCartney's uh, having a wonderful Christmas time. How much does that come in at? That is an, an, another big earner. It's around about 300,000 a year is what uh, Paul McCartney, uh, the last figures. And I was doing some conversions from Sterling. So I, I, it's 300,000 the last figure. Which is staggering because it's, you know, this is the man who wrote Yesterday mm. and this is a man who wrote Eleanor Rugby and simply having a wonderful Christmas time to me is not, it's a, it's a, it's a bit throwaway, isn't it? It's, oh, God, yeah. Uh, you're being kind there, uh, even um, saying it. Now, I mean, a, a surprise entry here, though, uh, 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 Jonah Louie, um, uh, which I suppose not everybody would remember, but uh, uh, Jonah Louie's still making money from Stop the Cavalry. 140,000 euro, which is like, you know, that's that's a lot of money. And Jonah Louis said as recently as three years ago, half of his income stream still comes from Stop the Cavalry. 
And he only really had one other hit. He had, you'll always find me in the kitchen at parties. Mm. But the interesting thing about you about Stop the Cavalry is but for the fact that John Lennon had been assassinated a couple of weeks earlier, it would have been number one. Because two John Lennon songs got to number one and number two, and Stop the Cavalry was number three. And then the week after that, when everybody had bought the John Lennon songs, St. Winifred School Choir, if you remember that, there's no one quite like Grandma. Mm. Um, that got to number one, depriving Jonah Louie of the number one spot. I think it's a fantastic song. It's one of my favourite Christmas songs. Yeah. It, you know, I just, I haven't heard it enough this year. You know, I've been, I haven't heard, I think it's a classic. And he didn't write it as a Christmas song, really. There is a brief mention of uh, Wish I Could Be Home for Christmas and someone stuck a tubular bell in there. And lo and behold, and a bit like another big earner, East 17's um, Stay, or say another day, rather, just one edition of an instrument made it a Christmas song. Yeah. So, yeah, a few old bells and it's a Christmas song. I'm I mean, presumably that's still doing business as well. 120,000 euro last year is what Stay Another Day, B17 earned. And it's the sad story, we, you know, of Tony Mortimer, the writer, the, the keyboard player of the band, the piano player of the band, writing it about his his brother, who um, sadly took his own life. And it... it um, Became a Christmas hit, a very unlikely Christmas hit. But uh, you remember them on top of the pops with the the white coats and furs and mm. the snow falling over. I mean, it's it's a it's a curious story of a, a Christmas hit, you know. But one hundred and twenty grand to Mister Mortimer every year for writing that one. Okay, not bad, not bad at all, Danny. Is thanks, uh, Danny. Thanks a million uh, uh, for uh, digging up some of those facts for us. And happy Christmas to you uh, and yours, Sean, Sean. Happy Christmas to all you and yours and, and all the staff at News Talk. Uh, that was da- Danny McElhenney there, a music journalist with the Irish Mail on Sunday. Oliver says, I once came up with a Christmas song on the school bus. I named it after a friend of mine. I sang it and rightfully I got beaten up. That's uh, a bit harsh. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.